worship services, we're taking on different teachings of the Bible. Currently, the Lord's Prayer, we're coming to the very end. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. And that's um, why I've chosen to read from Judges chapter 16, page 296, roughly, in your Bible. I do want to read a paragraph from Judges chapter 14. And this will be a little bit of a different sermon in terms of here's someone who does not ask to be delivered from temptation. And yet God gets the glory. His is the kingdom, the glory, and the power forever. Um, Judges chapter 16 or 14, it's about Samson. Let me read Judges 14 few verses there. Now Samson went down to Timnah, saw a, do- a woman in Timnah of the daughters of the Philistines. So he went up and told his father and mother, saying, I have seen a woman in Timnah of the daughters of the Philistines. Now therefore get her for me as a wife. Then his father and mother said to him, Is there no woman among the daughters of your brethren or among all my people that you must go and get a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines? And Samson said to his father, Get her for me, for she pleases me well. But his father and mother did not know that it was of the Lord, that he was seeking an occasion to move against the Philistines, for at that time the Philistines had domination or dominion over Israel. So with that not-so-wonderful start in Samson's life, we continue with the not-so-wonderful Samson. Chapter 16. We'll read the whole chapter. Just... um, A heads up, this chapter is probably longer than the sermon. Now Samson went to Gaza and saw a harlot there and went into her. When the Gazites were told, Samson has come here, they surrounded the place and lay in wait for him all night at the gate of the city. They were quiet all night, saying, in the morning, when it's daybreak, we will kill him. And Samson lay low till midnight, and then he arose at midnight, took hold of the doors of the gate of the city, and the two gateposts, pulled them up, bar and all, put them on his shoulders, and carried them to the top of the hill that faces Hebron. Afterward, it happened that he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. And the lords of the Philistines, that's the masters or the leaders of the Philistines, came up to her and said to her, entice him. Find out where his great strength lies, and by what means we may overpower him, and that we may bind him to afflict him, and every one of us will give you 1,100 pieces of silver. So Delilah said to Samson, Please tell me where your great strength lies, and with what you may be bound to afflict you. And Samson said to her, If they bind me with seven fresh bowstrings, not yet dried, then I shall become weak and be like any other man. So the lords of the Philistines brought up to her seven fresh bowstrings, not yet dried, and she bound him with them. Now men were lying in wait, staying with her in the room, and she said to him, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. But he broke the bowstrings as a strand of yarn breaks when it touches fire, so the secret of his strength was not known. Then Delilah said to Samson, Look, you have mocked me and told me lies. Now please tell me, what you may be bound with. So he said to her, If they bind me securely with new ropes that have never been used, then I shall become weak and be like any other man. 
Therefore Delilah took new ropes, bound him with them, and said to him, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. And men were lying in wait, staying in the room, but he broke them off his arms like a thread. Delilah said to Samson, Until now you have mocked me and told me lies. Tell me what you may be bound with. And he said to her, If you weave the seven locks of my head into the web of the loom. So she wove it tightly with the batten of the loom and said to him, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. But he awoke from his sleep and pulled out the batten and the web from the loom. And he said to him, she said to him, How can you say I love you when your heart is not with me? You have mocked me these three times and have not told me where your great strength lies. And it came to pass when she pestered him daily with her words and pressed him so that his soul was vexed to death, that he told her all his heart and said to her, No razor has ever come upon my head, for I have been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. If I am shaven, then my strength will leave me, and I shall become weak and be like any other man. When Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, she sent and called for the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up once more, for he has told me all his heart. So the lords of the Philistines came up to her and brought her the money in their hand. Then she lulled him to sleep on her knees and called for a man and had him shave off the seven locks of his head. Then she began to torment him and his strength left him. She said, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. So he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as before at other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. Then the Philistines took him, put out his eyes, and brought him down to Gaza. They bound him with bronze fetters, and he became a grinder in the prison. However, the hair of his head began to grow again after it had been shaven. Now the lords of the Philistines gathered together to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon their God and to rejoice. And they said, Our God has delivered into our hands Samson, our enemy. When the people saw him, they praised their God, for they said, Our God has delivered into our hands our enemy, the destroyer of our land, and the one who multiplied our dead. So it happened when their hearts were merry, that they said, Call for Samson, that he may perform for us. So they called for Samson from the prison, and he performed for them. And they stationed him between the pillars. Then Samson said to the lad who held him by the hand, Let me feel the pillars which support the temple, so that I can lean on them. Now the temple was full of men and women. All the lords of the Philistines were there, but 3,000 men and women on the roof, watching while Samson performed. Then Samson called to the Lord, saying, O Lord God, remember me, I pray. Strengthen me, I pray, just this once, O God that I may with one blow take vengeance on the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson took hold of the two middle pillars which supported the temple, and he braced himself against them, one on his right and the other on his left. And Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. And he pushed with all his might, and the temple fell on the lords and all the people who were in it. So the dead that he killed at his death were more than he had killed in his life. And his brothers and all his father's household came down and took him 
and brought him up and buried him between Zorah and Eshtol in the tomb of his father, Manoah. He had judged Israel 20 years. I'd like to also read from our confessions, Lord's Day 52 of the Heidelberg Catechism. That's page 564 in the Book of Praise. 563. What is the sixth petition of the Lord's Prayer? And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. That is, in ourselves we are so weak that we cannot stand even for a moment. Moreover, our sworn enemies, the devil, the world, and our own flesh do not cease to attack us. Will you therefore uphold and strengthen us by the power of your Holy Spirit, so that in this spiritual war we may not go down to defeat, but always firmly resist our enemies until we finally obtain the complete victory? How do you conclude your prayer? For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. That is, all this we ask of you because as our king, having, both, having power over all things, you are both willing and able to give us all that's good. And because not we, but your holy name should so receive all glory forever. And what does the word amen mean? Amen means it's true and certain. For God has much more certainly heard my prayer than I feel in my heart that I desire this of him. After the sermon, Psalm 72, we'll be singing Psalm 72 about our king. May he reign forever from sea to sea. Psalm 72, 1, 5, and 10. And uh, like we usually do when we have a shorter prayer in the afternoon, we'll remain standing so you don't, you know, jump up, sit down, jump up. That's the idea. You stay standing. It's easier on your joints. Congregation, loved by Jesus Christ our Lord, we've got a hero, Samson, and he's not much of a hero. He leads himself into temptation. Our Lord Jesus Christ is teaching us to pray, Lord, lead us not into temptation. And where does Samson go? He walks right into it. He's not a great hero. We read from, I read chapter 14, his pro problems, Samson, right from the outset. What Samson wanted, he said, get it for me. Get this girl for me as my wife, for she is right in my eyes. That's literally what he's saying. And if you hear that language, for she's right in my eyes, Judges has this theme of no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. And this hero, Samson, is doing what's right in his own eyes. His mom and dad were distressed. And they, they insist, like, it's wrong. She's an unbeliever. She belongs to the Philistine enemies, the uncircumcised. The Lord forbids this. You know that. Yet, chapter 14, verse 4, his father and mother did not know that it was from the Lord for he was seeking an opportunity against the Philistines. At that time, the Philistines ruled over Israel. 
Lead us not into temptation. The prayer that Jesus is teaching is, Lord, don't give me over to what's right in my own eyes. Don't give me over to my choices. Because you know the Lord does that, right? This is one severe form of judgment. A huge judgment you find often in the Bible and even today lived out. God gives people over to their choices. Oh, you want that? You want to live without me? You want to live against me? Okay, here you go. Find out how that's going to work out for you. That's a judgment. Romans 1 has this three times in a row in chapter 1 of Romans. Verse 24, God gave them up to the lusts of their hearts, to impurity. Romans 1.26, for this reason God gave them up to dishonorable passions. Romans 1.28, and since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. Lead us not into temptation. You're saying, Lord, I am often tempted to do wrong, to think wrong, to say wrong things. Don't deliver me over to Satan or to myself. Now in Judges 16, here's the strongest man you know in the Bible. You might think, here's our hero, Samson. And he is toying around with the strength that God gave him. He's not praying, Lord, deliver me from the evil one. He's very confident in the gift of strength God has given him. And yet, you know, he's the weakest right here. In the story that we read, when he thinks he's strong, you read 1 Corinthians 10 in the back of your mind, let anyone who thinks that he is strong take heed. If anyone thinks that he stands, take heed lest he fall. And Samson, you hear, he's toying with the secret. He's giving hints. First he makes up a secret like, oh, tie me with seven fresh bowstrings. How about the new ropes? And he's right on the edge. The third time, it's about his hair. Weave my hair into the web of the loom. The Catechism words it like this, in ourselves we are so weak that we cannot stand even for a moment. You realize that Samson's very weak, though he's very strong in human eyes, in his enemy's eyes too. And then we add this as a church, we say, moreover, our sworn enemies, the devil, the world, and our own flesh do not cease to attack us. We have sworn enemies. You could see this in the story of Samson. You see the Philistines, they're behind his back. They're even with his wife trying to conspire. They're coming up with a way to take him down. And we use that language and we say, that's what our sworn enemies, the devil, the world, and our own flesh are trying to do to us. That makes it real. We are like Samson. The devil and the world and our own flesh are committed nonstop. It's not like they have a day off. You have a sinful nature? When is the last time your sinful nature said, yeah, let's just follow God today? 
Let's turn to his word and ask what he has to say to us for wisdom. No, your sinful nature leaves your Bible shut and walks into temptation. Realize how strong the enemy is. Size up your enemy. There's a pattern I noticed in hockey. There's a microphone in front of one of the players, and the player has to give a rundown of how the first period went. He will never say that the other team was so easy to beat. Ah, we're just going to do like we've done before, and we're just going to totally... No, you'll find that they will always size up the opposing team and tell you, we had it tough. We're going to have to put more into this. This is impossible. If you win, you are a hero because you actually did size up the enemy properly or the opposing team. It was not easy. And if you lose, if you lose by the third period at the end, it makes sense because the enemy was too strong for you. You have to realize what you're up against. And even people do this in sports. Do you do that day to day? Do you pray, Lord, lead me not into temptation? I don't have what it takes. I'm up against an enemy that I cannot handle on my own. Lord, deliver me from the evil one. Because we know the evil one. We know there's a conspiracy. The world of unbelievers. We know the demons too. We know this world of unbelief in my own heart. So you cry out and you seriously pray this. Lord, rescue me. Deliver me again. Today too. That's what Jesus Christ is teaching us to pray. Lord, deliver me. And you don't see Samson pray that. And he, of all people, should be praying. Let's go to our second point. I told you it was short. I want to highlight the strength of the Lord in this. Because our prayers should have huge confidence. The Catechism says it like this. How do you conclude your prayer? For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. And it explains where our confidence is. All this we ask of you because as our king, having power over all things, you are both willing and able to give us all that's good and because not we, but your holy name should so receive all glory forever. And we, do, we notice this in Samson's life. Samson gets in a real bad way. He is caught by his enemies. His eyes are plucked out. They don't grow back. He's made a slave, grinding at a mill. Samson is at rock bottom. And even here at rock bottom, God gives us a hint. There's a hope. Samson's hair begins to grow back. This would be a good time to pray. God will. God will get the glory. We know that. His hair is beginning to grow. And finally, at rock bottom, Samson really does pray. 
and it's not even a good prayer. He's looking to be avenged for his two eyes, kind of like praying for revenge. And this is a good point, though, that God hears prayer, and God answers prayer, not because you have it right, Samson, but because God will use your prayers because God has in mind His glory, His kingdom, His name. It's not because Samson knows how to pray properly. There's that word, amen, and it's reminding you, amen means it's true and certain. God has much more certainly heard my prayer than I feel in my heart that I desire this of Him. Sometimes I don't even desire the right things of Him, and I don't desire it enough. And we say amen because you know what's true and certain? God's name, God's kingdom, God's glory. So you follow the story, and Samson leans against the two pillars, and he prays for the strength one last time. And even though it is in the middle of suicide, and even though Samson is selfish, God has his name, his kingdom, and his glory in mind. God turns this enemy To a, he, he completely destroys this enemy. The greatest loss for the Philistines. God destroys more enemies in that moment because, not because Samson prayed so well, but because who is God? What is God seeking? God wanted those enemies destroyed more than Samson all his life long. That's been the pattern from the beginning of Samson's life. Why God had even had him marry an unbeliever. Because God said, you are not fighting the enemy like you ought. I want to destroy my enemies more than my own people want to destroy their enemies. And you can't help but think that if God does this with a poor hero, a pathetic hero, Samson, then think about Jesus Christ. What we are meant for, that we would follow Jesus Christ instead. Luke 4, you know Jesus Christ wasn't playing around with temptation, was he? We kind of heard that about the time in the wilderness. Three great temptations. He didn't toy around with the evil one. And how huge a victory it was for Jesus Christ. When, from the world's perspective, Jesus Christ was at rock bottom. Trapped by the enemy. Nailed to a post. Looking pretty helpless. Those who know their God. If you know Jesus Christ, you know that on the cross, Christ defeated Satan. Like never before took all of Satan's accusations, anything he could accuse you of. And Jesus says, I paid for their sins. And when the tomb opened up, Jesus Christ came out of the tomb, the greatest victory against death itself.
Samson did more good in dying than he did in living. And you think of Jesus Christ, all his life and all his death put together is the salvation of the world. We read about Samson. As we read that, we want him to succeed. I was hoping he would be someone great. You were hoping it. Admit it. And God heard his prayer. Oh, he should have prayed, Lord, deliver us from the evil one. And yet God worked through him. God had in mind the conclusion for mine is the kingdom, mine is the power, mine is the glory. And you see that, that exclamation mark at the end of Samson's life. As great as Samson was, we remember him because it was really God answering his prayers. Even somehow makes it into the hall of faith in Hebrews 11. Quite something. And yet we know it was not because his prayer life was so great, but because at the very end, this is what matters, and this is why we can confidently end our prayers. Yours is the kingdom of power and the glory, because we see it again and again. We should have that confidence, brothers and sisters, you should have that confidence. It belongs to your prayers. I don't always ask the right things. You don't always ask for the right things. You don't always ask for it in the right way. You don't pray often enough. But are you going to remember by the time you get to amen? What's true and certain so far? Has it been your faithfulness? As Jesus Christ wraps up the Lord's Prayer, you come to the end. What has he proven so far? Your godliness, your consistency, you're asking the right things in the right way? No, 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 we're going to finish right. Yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen.